Welcome to Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. A Buddha is someone who's awake within the matrix and co-creating with divinity as a soul having a human experience. Each enlightened episode is dedicated to help you level up the energy field of your Merkaba. You can manifest the parallel reality that fits the best version of you. This podcast is for entertainment purposes and does not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Now, let's welcome your host, author Von Galt, and her guest. Welcome to another podcast episode of Merkaba Chakras. I'm your host, Vaughn Galt, and today we dive into the healing nature of connecting to 5D Gaia, or Earth, through the shamanic meditation and rituals with Dakota Earth Cloud Walker. Now, Dakota has been a shamanic teacher for over 25 years, and she brings a wealth of experience in how we all can connect to our planet and each other through shamanism. So with that, Dakota, welcome to Makava Chakras. Uh, thank you so much for having me here. I really appreciate it. And I love talking about this stuff. So it's no Me too. I love metaphysics too. Yeah, it's good yeah. stuff. Yeah, and there's so many different ways to come into metaphysics and the higher mm -hmm. levels of consciousness and so many different experiences. You never really get bored. So um, yeah, so I love it yeah. too. Okay, so before we get into this wonderful discussion about the modalities that you bring forth to connect to 5D Gaia and the higher consciousness within the universe, let's begin with how did you get into this work in the first place? Wow. Well, I would say that the work found me. And really, when I look back on my life, I feel like I have been living the shamanic life ever since I was a kid. Mm. Even my parents would comment about that, that it was just, that was always my natural way of being was to be more of that shamanic nature. So for me, when I got into the work, it was uh, really just kind of an extenuation of what I always knew and felt. Mm -hmm. And then I just found a way to carve it out into my life. I started in my early 20s teaching uh, spiritual studies and things like that and really diving into the world of Native American spirituality and Celtic Druidry and just kind of finding my own path. But then at the same time, I've always been the one that, you know, if I feel very passionate about something, I want to bring it into my work. And so it became a very easy dovetail to make that. that right. Transition. Right. And. You know, just just for um, people to understand about shamanism, shamanism is just kind of a generic term because there's a lot of shamans mm -hmm. all over the world. I'm Laos and there's shamanism in Laos as well, as well as all over the world, Mongolia, China, South America, yeah. et cetera, Native American. Um, the Celtics um, mm -hmm. have uh, their own practice as well. And basically, shamanism is just basically a spiritual approach to your connection to that subtle energy field of universal consciousness that's in everybody it's yes a, 
it, it's just kind of coming into that mysticism about reality. And that's really mm-hmm. what it is. Uh, uh, it, it's not connected to any kind of religion. So there's no body to right. adhere to, et cetera. So um, in terms of a spiritual approach, it's very, very, very much. And we have a lot of shamanism type um outlook in buddhism because buddha again is a spiritual approach that is non religious mm-hmm. to reality and to connect to that christ consciousness within you and everyone else which is source so right this, we're talking the same language here so you know yeah yeah and you know there's a lot of misconceptions about shamanism because i feel like it's it's primarily native american or that it's a religion you know, some people feel it's very dark energy and really it's, it's, it's very, very light. And it's more like a container that contains the soul of the person who is deciding to walk that path in whatever capacity that you show up in. Right. And can you address, because um, you, you picked two modalities of shamanism, Native American mm-hmm. and Celtic. It Was there some kind of ancestral uh, reason why you were attracted to those or? Yeah, you- the... Well, the Native American, ironically, I, I never knew that I had any Native American blood in me uh, because primarily my lineage is Celtic, Scottish, mm. uh, Scottish, Irish. And but when I did my ancestry, I found out that I actually had some Native American in me. And I was like, I was very excited about that because mm. I had no idea that that was there. My interest in Native American culture came from really, I grew up here in Ohio and I was very connected to the earth here. We have a lot of uh, Indian mounds and Mm -hmm. it's very steeped in Native American tradition, actually. And I started going to the powwows and I just fell in love with the people and the energy and all of that that surrounded it. When I left Christianity, uh, I, I felt like I needed to find something to fill that gap because I felt like there was still something there for me. I just needed to find a different path towards that. And so Native American spirituality became uh, what I studied the most in the beginning. And, and then that you went into the path. Celtic. And then how did you divert yeah. into adding Celtic into it? I think over the years, what really drew me is I was, I was always very interested in Celtic mythology as well. And it wasn't until I actually went and spent a lot of time in Ireland and Scotland. Mm. My, my grandma was from Scotland and when she passed away, I, I flew over there and took her ashes and buried them at the family castle. And, you know, I had this very kind of uh, like love story with Scotland that was happening at that time. That was back in 1998 mm. and just really fell in love with the land, the people. And then fast forward a couple of about 10 years, I started going to Ireland and doing public speaking and teaching and working with clients, teaching workshops. And whenever I was in Ireland or Scotland. I always felt like I was at home. I just mm. felt in my bones that I was had landed on my home, my home country. And so then I began to uh, research my lineage. I knew that my mom's side of the family was from Scotland. But when I did the ancestry, I was able to trace back my dad's side of the family to 700 BC. Mm. Wow, that's and yeah, that's because long. It's a long time. It took, yeah. a, it took years to get there. Wow. But in that research, what I discovered was that my great grandfathers and grandmothers were kings and queens of, of Scotland and Ireland, and many of them were well-known Druids. And mm. that, that's why, like, my 45th great-grandfather is Bran the Blessed and uh, Merlin and all of that. So I have all of that lineage in my blood. 
And that made sense for me to feel so connected to those lands. Mm. And so I began bringing in a lot of the Celtic uh, aspects to the work that I do. And now today, I would say primarily I teach mostly Celtic uh, with the flair of Native American, because that's always in my heart. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so you, you have a little Native, Native American ancestry that was natural for you to kind of integrate that. And then you have the Celtic ancestry. So you have two sides of the of the ocean here merging into yeah, merging um, together into a hybrid being here so you're kind of like a bridge between <laughs> Europe yes. and North America yeah. um but let's let's address this stigma against um that some people have about um Native American shamanism or Celtic shamanism because there is still that sh- that stigma that especially with the Druids um mm-hmm. and some of the practices that they they have that there is something native something de- not demonic you're channeling some spirits that you shouldn't yeah. be channeling you know all of the above so um please answer those questions about the stigmas um and did you get that stigma when you transition away from Christianity into incorporating this into your life as well? Yes and no. And I think that for me, when I, I was very young, I, I spent my teen years um, going to church and became a born again Christian and all of that. And the only reason I left the church was that I came out as a, as a gay person. And at that time it was, you know, God does not accept you. And I was no longer welcomed in, in the flock, so to speak. And so Mm. I had to carve out my own path. And so I had already, I had already lived a life of being kind of chastised for who I was. And so for me, when I went into shamanism, um, you know, and as a shamanic practitioner, you never call yourself a shaman, Mm -hmm. but never label myself that that's something that you earn that title through the work that you do. And I think for the, the stigma part of it, I just have never, given any two cents for it Mm -hmm. like if somebody doesn't feel if they want to if they want to question my ethics or question you know what I do and things like that I just invite them to have a conversation like this and learn more about that heart nature that really is at the root of of walking that shamanic path it's about being reverent to everything around you you know Mm -hmm. the earth the trees the plants the rocks the water the air element all of it and being able to recognize yourself in all of humanity, in all of the the things around you, mm-hmm. and letting those those areas inform the way that you live your life. And I think that for me, it's been really about living a life by example, and mm-hmm. not by uh, shouting out from the hilltop, "This is who I am. This is what I do." Right kind of thing. And I've been very fortunate to be able to attract people into my life who have been very uh, open to that. And and really, they know me, they, they know my, the work that I do. And that's one of the things that I get commented on the most in the work that I do is that people appreciate the authenticity. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that kind of comes through. Whereas if there were stigmas of shamanism, it got a little dispelled when they came to know me, I think. Right. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, great learning lessons there. And just for like, I mean, because I know some shamans who are also very, very um, religious in various Christian sects, and they're able mm-hmm. to bridge both of them. Yeah. Um, so just for those out there who's like, well, why can't you, you know, bridge them too? For you, the sect that you were in, 
um, just didn't accept your your um, homosexuality, and that's why you, you yeah. broke off instead of merging it as part of your. Yeah, you know what I what I felt when I left the church, and it was heartbreaking to leave the church. But for me, it was uh, it came down to the God that I believed in didn't reside in a box, mm-hmm. and and the church felt very confining that you had to accept God in this box. Mm-hmm. And it's this big and it's this color and it's got, you know, it's all it's and I didn't feel and that's that's the disservice I find with most organized religion is that they don't allow people to really feel into that relationship with God that's personal mm-hmm. to them. Right. And that expression. And they, it feels a little bit more dictated. So for me, it was always about um, really empowering myself to live how I wanted to viewing God, how I wanted to, I took my mom to the beach one day and uh, I lived in Charleston, South Carolina. And I told her before we went, I said, I'm going to, Hey, come on, dad, mom, dad, I'm going to take you to church. And they were like, Oh, you're going to take us to church. They were so excited. (laughs) (laughs) And I took him to the beach and we're walking up and down the beach. My mom says to me at one point, she's like, I thought we were going to church. I said, we did. We're right here. Enjoy it. Look at this. Look at this. Look at the ocean. Look at the waves. Look at the, the birds, the sand, all of it. And after a while, she sat down on the on the beach and she just sat there and she was doing whatever she does. And I went over and sat next to her and she goes, you know what? For the first time, I can understand why you call this church. Yeah. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's not in a box on a on a corner of a city. It's churches everywhere. Right. It's every day of the week. Everything is spiritual. Yeah. Everything yeah. is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. Well, um, in. And in terms of everything is spiritual, you call your team Gaia, so um, the, yeah. for the which is the name that a lot of people use for planet Earth. Right. Her name is Gaia. Gaia. So, um, so you guys really resonate with with the planet's energies. Mm, absolutely. And what do you what, what do you what do you say um, about the energy of Gaia right now? Because oh. in Buddhism, she's already fifth dimensional. Whether you guys are ready to get to that level of awareness or not, she's already yeah, there. Having she's a great already time. there. But for some people, they're like, "Oh no, we need to get there. We're we're going there. It's, nah, nah, we're going to nah. drive to come, or <laughs> you know, whatever. You know, they come up with all these different ways of Gaia and fifth dimensional Gaia being out there and that we have to go there or somebody's going to take us over there it's always somewhere outside of you and not inside of you so um can you clarify the confusion about where is 5d Gaia (laughs) you're walking on her (laughs) you know I think that uh People, you know, you get you get two choices. You can look at things half full or half empty. And if you're always looking at the the pieces of humanity that's still, you know, struggling and it's hard and all this stuff, you're always going to be stuck in that third dimension. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I mean, we are really in 5D. And I think what we're witnessing right now on the planet globally is that there's a purging happening. You know, if, if you're Explain not going to... If you're not going to, if, if people aren't ready to resonate at that fifth dimensional frequency, then by nature, you'll just get kicked out of the system. Yeah. Or, yeah. or the system's going to be really foreign to you and really hard for you to adapt to. Yes. Yeah. Kind of, kind of like everybody's graduated to the next level and you're still 
you're still at kindergarten. <laughs> and you're, yeah, you're kindergarten and you're really fighting to try to make it at the next level in the ki kindergarten consciousness. Right. But all the resources are available to you and they've been available to you and they still are available to you. And, and they still, still are available people. to you. Yeah. And there's, yeah, who are like, oh, do you need a tutor? Do you need a mentor? Do you need a coach? You know, yeah. so it, it is there, but that's a really, that's a really good way to define where is 5D Gaia? Because everybody keeps yeah. looking for her or waiting for her. Yeah. Um, and just to clarify the, because you said something um, that is important as well as if you're not going to go to that fifth dimensional awareness within your consciousness, within yourself, mm -hmm. you're going to get kicked out. Um, can you define what kicked out is? Is it just the, is it just them struggling to? Well, I think, yeah, I think it's what you just said where there's that, uh, that's a, there's that internal struggle. There's an external struggle that happens and i also think that you know for some some people the purging comes with death i mean we've seen it in covid you know just millions of people who have passed away not that i think that everybody who's passed away from covid was not ready for 5d i don't want to say that by any stretch of the imagination but i think that um there's certain levels of graduation you know and if you graduate where you've gotten everything that you've got you've squeezed out of this life and it's it's time for you to go back to source energy then mm -hmm. your time is there but i think when you know as we have moved into 5d the struggles have become really real for people and i think it shows up in a couple of different ways for people who have already been on their spiritual path what i'm seeing anyway in, in the students who come into my programs is that they're coming in with this insatiable thirst for empowerment for connection for feeling life from, I call it full spectrum living, from living right. full spectrum. So these people are prime. They're ready. They want to engage in that, that part of themselves. Mm -hmm. And then you have another set of people that they just, they haven't figured it out yet. They're still, mm -hmm. they're still, you know, struggling financially or uh, health wise or whatever it might be, instead of looking at things from a different layer. You know, that some of those struggles are from that, um, from that push pull that happens, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, when we look, when we look at the abundance aspect of the universe, the universe is the absolute most abundant place ever and manifesting becomes extremely easy in 5d, you know, you just, yeah. you think about it, you believe it from that molecular level, you're imprinting your quantum field with you know, the things that you want to bring into your life. And it happens just like that. Yeah. But yeah. this is catch up. No, I, I, I completely agree with you. And I've done book interviews. Um, and, and if you, if you guys go into my early book interviews on the playlist in the YouTube channel, you will see, I have done interviews where there's a strategy in how I was talking. The earlier ones will say, oh, there's a 3D and 5D split and you're going to have to jump over and, and work on yourself and work on raising <laughs> energy and all of that because I knew that was the hook for many people. But, yeah. but, and then it's evolved to, okay, everybody's, and then it evolved to the Buddhist understanding um, is yeah. everybody got brought up whether you're ready or not. Some <laughs> people are going to adapt much easier to the yes. new energy. Others are going to struggle with this a lot of resources. So it's choose your own adventure. Um, and, and, it is. and, and that's what, I, that's what I keep saying is choose your own adventure. And you're saying the same thing. It's choose your own adventure, choose your own adventure. in these higher realities. No one's yeah. going to make you 
do the things that you want to do or need to do to raise your frequency to live in the higher um, awareness of reality. Um, but continuing to be kindergarten, like you say, in mm-hmm. a higher grade is going to be a struggle until you finally kind of let go of that ego talk of no, it, yeah. this is, it has to be this way. And then just yeah. find the resources to help, um, you know, purging in Buddhism is what we call cleaning up your house. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so cleaning up your house. It's not it's not going through the fire or get a bunch of water, um, you know, holy water put on you or yeah. anything else. Those are just permission slips to allow you to be comfortable with working the things that you need to do to clean up your house so that you can not carry old 3D baggage with you into the higher right. awareness. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, for a lot of people, it's they've they've gotten so accustomed to being attached to their story. This is who I was. This is how I got here. This is why I have so much, you know, angst in my life or anger. And they, they attach themselves to those traumas from early childhood mm-hmm. and even past lives. You, know, yeah. you see that in the spiritual world quite a bit. And I think when you change that focus, you start creating that evolution that manifests who you are innately. Because once you detach from the story, you detach from the ego. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then all you have left is, is spirit and source and soul. And that knows no limitation. Right, right. So we get into the, the, the topic of um, higher dimensional awareness. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Um, Earth is already in fifth dimensional awareness. She's already in 5D. So, yeah. um, you know, it, everybody has their time to get there or be it or whatever. But mm-hmm. let's define the concept um, from your background of what fifth dimensional awareness is. And how does it hmm. transcend your past, your future, all the different ways in which you exist? For me, I think that the fifth dimension resides in this exact present moment mm, right mm-hmm. here. Yep. Yeah. You know, like I, I think once upon a time, I used to live life either, you know, with one eye in the past and one eye in the future, like this happened to me. And what if this happens to me? And I was never fully present. And when I started living more presently, it changed everything. It changes everything for anybody, I think, because there's there's no spectrum by which you have to judge anything or any expectation that you have. And when you're living in that present moment, you open up to that world of curiosity. And in that curiosity, you start discovering that there's a lot of magic around us at any mm-hmm. given moment. You know, just being able to be present with that magic is magical. <laughs> and that yeah. to me that to me is fifth dimensional living by anything else it's just by being present with what is and you know i also see in the in the spiritual realms and spiritual path anyway you have people who want to go home and so they, they're always looking mm-hmm. for that you know when am i going to be in my future life or i just want to go back to my star family or i want to be you know, I want to sit in meditation every day, all day long, blah, blah, blah. Which is can be an escapism too. Right. And they live in these upper three chakras where they just want to be in that, that upper echelon of the spirit world. And they, they negate these other chakras that are really tethered to Mother Earth. And Mother mm-hmm. Earth, this is where it's at, man. Mm-hmm, we got like, mm-hmm. this is a beautiful, beautiful place. Mm-hmm. And I, when we have such a blip of time here, 
And to squander it away, wishing we were somewhere else or doing something else or feeling like we had other expectations does such an injustice to the life that we have here now. And for me, that 5D living really does come uh, fully when we are just living in that present moment, being curious. Yeah, really, really, really well said. And just, you know, another another way of what you just said um, that comes to mind for me, because I like to relate things to the the Buddhist audience, um, is, you know, we all know the chakras and they're in all traditions. Mm -hmm. And if you're only, if you're only always high in the clouds and in the love and light and you neglect the lower chakras guess what you're out of balance because it requires it's a cohesive network and that yeah. cohesive network of tuning into your frequencies throughout your whole chakras guess what i've written books about this in buddhist mandala series it creates the toroidal field that makes your aura field that makes your right. Merkaba, that makes your mandala so yes. if you cut off half your your energy field because that's the lower ones you don't want to guess what your energy <laughs> field is out of balance exactly and you never live a, a heart-centered life if you're uh-huh. only living in those upper echelons you know i saw a depiction of it um, once and i teach this actually now is where you know you've got the the triangle and these are your upper three chakras and you have mm-hmm. the inverted triangle that's your lower three chakras mm-hmm. And for most people, they live with these two triangles separated with the heart in the middle, but they're not touching. When you bring them together, you actually form the the star of David. Yes. Mm -hmm. And and the heart resides in the middle. Yep. And it all flows out. But you also cannot travel from one chakra to the other without going through that heart center. That's right. And that heart center is key for living life here on Earth in that 5D dimension. That's right. As above, so, so below. Be low. <laughs> okay, so your Gaia team offers online and in-person courses. Mm-hmm. So what can people learn from taking the Soul Warrior course? Well, most of my, my, most of my teaching is centered around the medicine wheel. And mm. so the Soul Warrior training is a journey around the medicine wheel uh, the medicine wheel has uh, seven directions, but we work really primarily with four cardinal, the four cardinal directions. Mm-hmm. And so each season we're opening up enrollment to that program and you take a journey for one full year, one full evolution around the medicine wheel. And you learn the energies of the medicine wheel. You learn to balance the uh, excess or deficient energy that you might have. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, you start to live, as we're talking about right now, that 5D living, you become more empowered you know, my whole focus, everything I teach is about empowering people to step into who they really are mm-hmm. and, and, you know, stop with this whole uh, hand holding thing. Like, let me, uh, I see it too often in spiritual worlds. I heard somebody today even told me uh, she was starting to wind down her life because she had a medium tell her that she only had 300 days left to live. And this was like 250 days ago. So she's planning on dying in may or june and and it just broke my heart because it's like you're giving your power away to someone who's who's giving you a reading that's through their filters and so on and so forth and i just i my passion is about bringing people into that place of empowerment where they can decide for themselves what is best so soul warrior training is that it is all about teaching people to do that 
Yeah, um, that's wonderful. That's that's going to be a good course, people. Um, but I now you just brought up something that's really, really critical for people to understand, especially when they're going through um, kind of like a spiritual crisis or they're kind yeah. of slowly navigating into a higher dimensional awareness and things are happening to them that they may maybe need guidance for mm -hmm. or um, assistance to help them clear up their stuck energies that yeah. reside with certain traumas in their life that they have that has kind of brought them down and mm -hmm. then they become suspect to um to people who maybe give poor information like that medium mm -hmm. so what are some ways in which people can practice discernment so that they don't get taken for a ride or they don't go down that fear path in their life yeah well first i i tell people you know especially when they come into the program is that there's there's kind of one rule here is that nobody can tell you what your experience is going to be. Mm -hmm. Nobody can interpret for you the messages that you receive. Nobody can teach you anything that you don't already know. I'm here to help you remember who you are. That's as simple as that. And the first rule of thumb is that whenever you need information or you need to interpret a message or a dream or whatever, a journey, is you do it for yourself first. Mm -hmm. You gather up all the information. What does this mean to me? What experience do I have with this? What does this sign represent to me? And after you've gone through all that interpreting, then you outsource and find other perspectives right. to see and fill in the gaps where you might have missed something, but it has to resonate deeply with you that that feels right and congruent. Mm -hmm. Because the truth is, is that nine people can look at a tree and nine people will see nine different things. Yeah. And and I yeah. think as, you know, as far as discernment, you know, really looking at what is somebody's path, what has their path been, you know, doing a little bit of research, just because somebody calls himself a shaman, usually the first telltale sign that a shaman is not a shaman is that they call themselves a shaman. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, most shamans don't call themselves a shaman. Never. Like I said, it's just basically a mystic journey through life. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's, you know, it's an esteemed title that you know, belongs with other people label you that if they want to, but, yeah. but yeah, looking, doing a little bit of research. I think people are uh, too quick to, to just jump on somebody's marketing bandwagon because mm -hmm. they have a pretty logo. Yeah. You yeah. Know, and sadly, I think that's almost true. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and for some people who have been taking it for a ride, there is a lesson there. Yeah, exactly. Don't learn the same there, hard lesson twice. Everything is there to teach you. <laughs> so they, uh, they're they doing a good job teaching you the same lesson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the first time. Okay. You, okay. So you also offer um, what they, what you call a soul dive and it's online course. Yes. And um, one is how... Do you have a direct revelation? Like how can people place these discernments with these direct revelations that they get through soul mm -hmm. diving, you know, because mm -hmm. you can be taken for a ride with real people and yeah. also the spirit world to see the spirit world. how much yeah. are you going to let us play with you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is very true. The soul dives, the online courses, they really are, uh, they are also kind of dovetailed to the medicine wheel. So mm -hmm. they have a different flavor for each of the directions. And for me, that direct revelation really is about uh, being a clear container, being a hollow bone, mm -hmm. being able to, to hear 
the messages and that guidance that you're getting and have it be a little unfiltered. You know, we, we like to put things through that lens of the ego, like, ah, yeah, but that doesn't make sense. Or, ah, I don't want, I don't know. That doesn't fit my life. Mm -hmm. And we try to attach the story to it. Mm -hmm. So for direct revelation and learning how to have that discernment, it's about allowing whatever to come through without question, without expectation, without judgment. And looking at it, you know, through the lens of what does this symbolize? What does it, you know, really feel like in the emotional body? What does the sensory system feel like? Yeah. You know, our guides in the spirit realm, they speak to us through our imagination and curiosity primarily. Mm -hmm. And so whenever you find yourself in that mindset of, I wonder if I think I want, I need, you're, you're going into that mental body in the east direction. Right. And you're really working it through that story lens again, when really you want to be down in that south north vein, and you're feeling that energy come in, you feel it sensorily, sensorily, is that even a word? It is it's now. a word now. It's a word now. <laughs> it's a word now. <laughs> <laughs> but you're feeling it in your whole body and in your whole heart and, and it makes it feels different. Mm. When you get when you get that message, you know, from a clean place, it feels very, very different. Yeah. I will say, like if you're doing if you're if you're looking for these these messages and these connections from a place of extreme need, you mm. probably will always feel that that impetus to form it in the way that you want it well then well that begs the question how how do people know that these um spirit messages are for their greatest good i mean what are some suggestions that you can give people like recognize this or whatever i think for for me it's it's the non-attachment hmm you know, non-attachment to the outcome. And if I can remain non-attached to whatever information I'm, I've given, then I have a greater ability to, uh, to feel whether it's something I want to embody or not. I don't mm. know if that's answering your question or not. It's, it's kind of, it feels a little, there's not words to describe that feeling. I don't know. Okay. It's, yeah. I, for me, well, I'm sassy with my spirit guides too. So yeah. I say, no. <laughs> I say no and I challenge them yeah. and for the subtle energies, I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this instead. Find somebody else. So I say no yeah. qu quite as often as I say yes. So, um, but there is always choice. There's given. always choice. And that's There's part of choice. the, that's part of the human experience that we signed up for. Yeah. Is to have yeah. that free will. Yeah. And for me, uh, when it comes to um, having a connection to source or to just different energies within source, whatever you want to call them, for me, mine give me choice. And if I say no, they respect it. Yes. And, um, and they honor it. Yes. Um, and so there's no like pressure, there's no force, there's no, you got to do this, there's, right. you know, and there's also no, um, fear. Like I'm not going to all of a sudden fear, feel anxiety or panic or depression if I don't do it. Right. So that's yeah. the energies that I get. Um, yeah. if you do get those, 
those opposite ones and if you're communicating and you get fear and you get anxiety you get a panic attack um you feel yeah. like you're forced to or you have to do it you, you can't say no it doesn't matter what realm or what title they supposedly give themselves it's the same thing that yeah <laughs> yeah move on <laughs> move on there's so for many me, out there this you don't have to settle for the first ones that come through <laughs> that's right for me it feels like uh it's almost like there's something inside my heart that locks in when I know the message is right for me mm-hmm. and maybe the timing's not right but the message is right and I can kind of tell that difference between um between that energy but in you know and I always say this too spirit guides have a great sense of humor yeah just, they're just always they're they've lived human lives also and you know for each of us who've come into the human experience it's really to have that uh, total experience of every emotion spectrum, eat ice cream and chocolate and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and really, you know, feel the sand between your toes that you don't get to do as a spirit. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, I think your spirit guides, are, they want you to have fun in life. It's not always about serious stuff, mm-hmm. but enjoy life, have fun, yeah. find that place of joy, be in gratitude, all yeah. of that. That's really well said. And yeah, and you offer courses in how to learn the language of the spirit guide. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, is it all in your head? Are you going <laughs> or is it something outside of my head that's saying this? You know, I mean, these are all these questions uh, when you enter into the space. So can you explain what is the language of spirit guides? Like, yeah, um, I actually I coined the term soul tracking as the what I what I describe as that language between you and your spirit guides and it's a unique language that's going to be just between you and your spirit guides and to learn it you know a lot of people ask me well you must go to you must journey and meditate to get all of your messages and stuff and it's like no I I journey to take a break from my guides because all day long they're always speaking to me and they mm-hmm. speak through that lens of creativity imagination mm-hmm curiosity, the present moment, all those things that I was just talking about, sensory system. So I have, Mm -hmm. you know, I create a little dictionary and these are the things, this is what this means to me. If I see a circle, this is what I think a circle means to me. And so I started developing this language with my guides. So they know now what I kind of equate things to. So as I'm driving down the road, I can, if I get, you know, I start to look at things and it's like, oh, wow, there's a hawk there. What does that represent to me? What does that mean to me right now in my life? What is that message for me? Mm-hmm. If I see it three times. It's like, bam, I got to pay attention. This is yeah. really hitting me in the face. And yeah. That happened yesterday, actually. We really? Saw three, what, ha- what happened? Yeah, I saw three hawks. Actually, I see hawks a lot. and But yesterday, I saw three of them. And interestingly, I, I won't go into the whole story, but I got to my mom's house. And through the course of our conversation, I realized that the message of the hawk was pay attention you need to get a different perspective on the story mm. that you, you are running in your head. Mm. And so for me, that's what that, that message was, um, you know, and so I always look to whenever you have these messages, it's not just the hawk, but it's where is the hawk? What's the surrounding? What's the setting? What's the context? What are other elements that are showing up? One day I saw seven hawks in the span of 45 minutes and oh, okay. every single, every, and I'm not exaggerating, every single one of them was on the ground. They weren't up high. Oh, and so okay. that had a, com- that had a completely different meaning to me that day. It was like, and what was know, the meaning of seven hawks on the ground? 
that I need to bring the perspective from 10,000 feet down to where I am right now and look at it from a macro level. Mm-hmm. I need to take action. You know, the hawk coming down, he saw, he saw the mouse or whatever he was hunting and he went for it. Right. And so that was the message for me is I just need to go for it and get my feet on the ground and look at the, look at the small picture, you know, look at the details. Yeah. Pay attention. That's really, so, that's really good. Uh, what you describe, I'm not sure if it's the, the, but it's the same concept. It's what I call synchronicity mm-hmm. as a yeah. language of the, of the, the spirit guides or the angels or whatever you want to call them Yeah, is um, because there's different ways to communicate. Some people communicate through clear audience, clear sentient, and that's yep. fine too. Um, others, they'll do the, ch- they'll channel in the, the message. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my daughter calls it the body snatchers. <laughs> <laughs> she's a, she's a six-year-old. So she has, oh, funny terms. she's like, Oh, your body, your client, the body snatchers took over your client. But, um, but, Anyways, and then there is the subtle language of synchronicity. When you think yeah. something, a billboard comes through, it answers that question. Exactly. And then some, you're, you're in line and the next answer to the next question comes up in somebody's conversation. And, right. you know, but being aware enough to perceive those subtle clues. Yeah. Um, and the that, other thing, that is a training. I, it is a training. And the other part of that training happens when you realize that there are times when a hawk is just a hawk. Mm. And when are those times? When are those times? I don't know. That's where you have to learn that discernment because I think Mm -hmm. that's a personal thing. And, you know, because there's like, you know, I live in a, in Ohio right now and there's tons of squirrels and I, you know, once upon a time I would equate a squirrel with my dad, but I've got like seven squirrels out in my yard at any given time. So I know dad's not there every single day, every, you know, every moment of the day, seven times. So then it's like, okay, I've got, it looks for me, it's, it's finding those moments where it's, it's so totally by surprise, right? You're not calling it in. You're not trying to like, okay, what's, what's here now? What's here now? Trying to make it happen. Trying to make it happen. Right. Trying to make it happen. But it's just, it's spontaneous. Like you say, synchronistic and, you know, allowing that, that freedom of flow to happen in your life. And that happens only i think when you are living in that present moment we go we keep circling back to that present moment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's the most yeah. important moment of your life because it's the most important moment you're living right now exactly you're not yeah. living in the past right now or in the future yeah. right now or in the parallel reality right now you're living right now here right here yeah so be present right. and this is what you're creating right now yeah so experience it and enjoy it yeah i i completely agree i live um i live a couple minutes away from a a lighthouse here in mm. um in a small town kind of whimsical small town um over by the san juan islands uh away oh, from, i love san juan yeah islands. away from downtown yeah. seattle way far away <laughs> but um because we have all these islands we have all these trees instead of hawks i get eagles eagles yeah i get eagles and and then i i also get orcas because they come through oh, and they then go yeah. back out <laughs> so you get used to hearing orcas sleeping on the on the beach on the water and now you're like what's that sound? Oh. That's, that's them sleeping so we it's very peaceful but we get that and so um sometimes it's just orcas coming through exactly <laughs> and, sometimes, and sometimes it's just eagles looking for food yes. um I remember when I was pregnant with my my daughter, actually with my son, I, I tried to do a maternity um, swimming suit uh, 
picture for the baby invitation. Yeah. And it was on the beach um, on Whidbey Island. And there was um, this eagle that kept on like taking over my photo shoot and kept on like <laughs> um, just coming in the background on the side. I mean, I was like, I guess this eagle is going to take the spotlight from me. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. But that's very, very normal. So get good with distinguishing what is normal yeah. and yeah. what is these the spirit guides trying to communicate something for you yeah um okay now you have two books out and mm -hmm. um both books have the same 21 day challenge wait so, the same one yeah the same 21 day ch ch challenge in both books um it's, <laughs> it's on the website it's on the website too for both books so That's soul recharge and gratitude challenge i think out right um, I think so, but I, I saw that they had a 21 day challenge in there. Yeah. So what, what can people look forward in these 21 day challenges? I think 21 days is, is a manageable bite. You know, most people can do something for 21 days and it just kind of catapults them to living or being more mindful of different things. So there's the gratitude challenge that helps cultivate that gratitude. You know, gratitude mm -hmm. is the second highest frequency that we can embody mm -hmm. next to Christ consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so the 21 days towards gratitude, living in a grateful heart is really about kind of bringing yourself. It's, it's everything we're talking about right now, being more present to be grateful for what you have right now. Right now, I'm really grateful for technology. I'm really grateful to have this connection to you. And it's, it's finding those little things that we, we just let slip by. I don't like, I, I'm not... I am not a firm believer in gratitude journals because I think it, it sets people up to uh, wait until the end of the day mm. to reflect back on mm -hmm. instead of being grateful in the moment and, and recognizing when that moment becomes magical and spiritual and esoteric. Yeah. And when you start living in gratitude, then you begin cultivating those moments more readily for yourself mm -hmm. so that's mm -hmm. that 21 day challenge and I think that's like I just think that's one of the most important things that we can do in life is to move towards that and then the soul recharge is really about uh, finding those ways to recharge ourselves despite the busy schedule despite mm -hmm. the kids and the school and the work and all of that finding those little moments where we can take in a deep breath yeah yeah so. and that's that those go hand in hand being grateful and then also being able to kind of tune into yourself and you know recharge yeah. and um, yeah and not hitting that wall yeah i'm not hitting that wall and actually like um they have done meditation studies in gratitude it actually the frequency of gratitude is um gamma brain waves mm -hmm. um, and it's the highest frequency that we know of in the brain um, yeah. advanced meditators are people who have very, very high energy, typically radiated gamma and that gamma brainwave frequency, they've already proven this meditation research, um, does change physical reality. When they do these yes. studies, everybody around it is less violent, more peaceful, um, much happier. It's amazing. Yeah. And it's just that frequency of, of gamma, of being grateful, connecting to source, and just being present in the moment. Yeah, source is really, really simple. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. And, and I've had people try the twenty-one day challenge who are really grumpy about life. Mm -hmm. Okay, 
and they have the hardest time because because and and many pe- people coming into this ha- will have to learn to almost we wire their consciousness to be yes. a fifth dimensional level which is of gratitude of seeing um the optimism mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. but they have to undo their negative yes. back talk and they may have had a chronic way from childhood from their culture from society from wherever they get these unconscious behaviors of constantly being negative about things pessimistic about things constant complainers everybody mm-hmm. knows those the, those people who just cannot say a nice <laughs> thing and they complain about everything yes um, everything is a complaint and so um but they're usually really sick and tired all the time too Exactly. So how does the 21 day challenge of being grateful and tuning into yourself, how does that help your overall health? Exponentially, you know, it's, it detaches you from that story line, like what you're talking about. And if you have, if you create different brain waves, then you create a different reality for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you there's, there's absolutely positively zero chance or way that anybody could be grateful and fearful at the same time. You can't be grateful and angry. You can't be grateful and fearful. You can't be grateful and mm-hmm. depressed and despondent. You just cannot physically embody gra- gratitude with any of those emotions simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's like, how do you get somebody to see that, that piece of it and move themselves. Cause once you start feeling that gratitude and seeing how, how life changes around you and how people respond differently to you, then it becomes almost like an addiction. It's like, I want more of that, which is a healthy addiction. Yeah. Yeah. That, that detachment from the story, you know, it first, you've got the story like this, where you're married to the story and then you do something that kind of breaks away those threads until you can finally detach from it. And then you become an autonomous person, spirit, and mm-hmm. then you start falling back into your power and remembering who you are. You are not the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, really. And, and I think also from the shamanic point of view, just to add this in there too, it doesn't diminish the story that we have because we chose all of these circumstances coming into this lifetime because we opted to learn whatever it is that we needed to learn. And to mm-hmm. do that, we needed grit. You need, you need right. that grit in life to be able to propel yourself forward. The problem is, is the ego wants to hold on to that grit because mm-hmm. that's how we define ourselves. Right. Instead of defining yourself as the person who got through that. That is so true. Uh, I've had clients who have mental, not necessarily mental health, but they have certain traumas and they do not want to let go of that t- trauma because they have defined themselves so much themselves. in their family structure, in their family and friends as the victim right. of the circumstance and um they can't get beyond that and so they want to but then at the same time they hold themselves back yeah and so i mean you're going to have moments in life where there is merit to complain about something um there is merit to be on the dumps but how yeah. long you stay there and how much yes. you dig in those trenches defines yeah. where you go next 
Yes, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So really good exercise to help people pull themselves out of that yes. uh, negative <laughs> pitfall or free fall. Um, okay, so with that, you actually have a lot of free meditations on your mm -hmm. website to address these things that everybody is working on in their life. Um, and and just so you preference, you're not going to be Zen all the time. There's going to be times where oh, you're feeling you're oh. feeling like, Ugh. you know, and then there's going to yeah. be times where, you know, so everybody, it's a scale. It's a skill. There's going to be times in which you're going to connect to Christ consciousness or source, yeah. whatever you want to call it. There's going to be times in which you're completely disconnected and you want to connect, but you can't connect for some reason. Exactly. And you're kind of like, why is it so hard for me to get back into my happy place? Maybe there's a <laughs> lesson that you're supposed to learn in that place. I don't know. But, um, with these meditations, can you explain the different archetypes that you put in with these different meditations? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the going back to the medicine wheel again, I did a journey. I've, I've been teaching the medicine wheel for about 20 years now, 18. And I did a journey to try to really understand the structure of the medicine wheel and how it applies to life in modern day living. And what I was shown were these uh, five very distinct soul archetypes and what are they? Uh, visionaries in the east direction, Sacred Heart Warriors in the south, Alchemists in the west, and up in the north is the Soul Shaman, and then the Wisdom Keeper sits in the middle of the, of the medicine wheel. Mm. And so my guides, and I went to the Akashic Records, and I did this whole big journey, and when I came out of it, I was just, I had all of this information, and I just, I, I laid out in my living room two eight-long-foot tables, cleared, I moved furniture, everything, and I just started writing everything down as I remembered it and plowed them all out and everything and had like the whole kind of personality profile of each of the soul archetypes. You're trying to get it all done before it, it I was away. <laughs> yeah, I was. I, and I spent actually, honest to God, I spent like two days in my living room, not even leaving the house until I got all of this kind of plotted out. And it was really, really beautiful. And I was, I've always been, um, well, for years I've been a meditation coach. Mm. And right now I've got 145 meditations uh, on What's my- What's the most popular one? I mean, that's, that's a lot. Ah, it is, is there... a lot. There's, I have a lot of popular ones. Twin Flame, Rise of Phoenix. Rise of Phoenix is probably the most popular. It's the most popular on Insight Timer for sure. Okay. It's extremely transforming. What I, one of the biggest takeaways that I had though with the meditations so archetypes is that when you think of meditation, a lot of people think of, Buddhist meditation, you know, going uh -huh, in work, yeah. detaching the thoughts and, you know, all of these, you know, being mindful. I like walking meditation. Yeah. So an alchemist <laughs> would love a walking meditation. If you put a sacred heart warrior in a mindfulness meditation of just sitting there and trying to empty your thought, they're just going to crawl up the wall. They just hate it. I fall asleep. I fall asleep. Yeah. They, I, yeah. I've had so, I've done yoga meditations. I've done uh, various meditations at different um, monasteries I grew up with. And I, I'm the mm -hmm. kid that falls asleep and they usually wake up. For yeah. <laughs> um, I need the but the walking meditation or just yeah. kind of being meditative in um, art or right. in your writing as meditation. So I need actual action meditations. Yeah. And so um, that works for me. You're but, probably a sacred heart warrior. Oh, yeah? Yeah. If you take the, the soul archetype test, you're probably a sacred heart warrior. And what is a sacred heart warrior? Yeah. Can you uh, explain a little bit about the each different type so that people know? Mm -hmm. So visionary in the East is in the mental body. 
and they're they like structure they like to mm-hmm. you know and they the throat chakra communication is very important prayer mantras those are kind of meditative practices for a visionary mm-hmm. but the visionary in that mental body is really focused on uh creating goals and aspirations and dreams and inspiration it's self-esteem it's confidence it's all those things that we kind of equate to that you know really developing that a uh, strong kind of personality that's really right. successful. And then you come down into the South direction, sacred heart warrior, it's a water element. So they're a little more flowing and they're emotional. They're intuitive. They're it's full of vibrancy and creativity and uh, intuition. It's, it's very colorful. It's uh, relationship is very important to them. And so they begin to um, nurture in in the east we plant seeds in the in the south we nurture those seeds right we start to grow those dreams within us and we do that through the creativity in our life but um sacred heart warriors they really like to do um visualizations art therapy uh movement kind trance dance is really big one for them shamanic breath work anything that's really Mm. kind of engaging Mm. Mm mm-hmm And then the alchemist is the physical body and that's the world we live in. So it's how do you create sacred space? How do you treat the mother earth? Uh, what is your relationship to, to your body, your, the food that you ingest. Mm -hmm. And it's also the place where we, we start to reflect back on our lives and what have I done? What have I created for my life? Mm -hmm. And so whatever's not serving us, we have an opportunity at that point to transform and rebirth and um, we work with gratitude. It's it's all about abundance. You know, mm-hmm. what have we what have we collected? And then in the north, the soul shaman. That's the spiritual body. And so mm-hmm. it's how what is your connection to spirit source, uh, your your higher self, your lower self, and really going inward to find out what is it that I actually do believe, and why do I believe that, mm-hmm. and who am I at that core level? Why am I here? What is my soul theme? What did I come here to do? Right. And we start to unearth all of that. And then we go back into the East again and we start that dovetail all over again. But in the center, the wisdom keeper is the person who, if you're an imbalanced wisdom keeper, you are all over the place. You're just scattered. You're like, mm. oh, I like this. I like that. Oh my gosh. When you're balanced, you sit in a very conscious place. You're very present and it's the ether element Mm -hmm. and you can pull from any of the directions that you need at any time. You can see that big perspective. You can see the micro macro perspective. And so the, the, everything I teach is to help people get into that center of the medicine wheel to be that wisdom Mm -hmm. keeper and navigate your life from that lens. Well, well said. And let me ask you about these archetypes. Do people switch archetypes throughout their life? They can, especially if they were attached to a story mm. and they, they hid their, they live a life to hide who they really are. I see a lot, a lot of, a lot of people will come in as a visionary mm. and, you know, they're, they're very, they've dived into work. They're very entrepreneurs, teachers, etc. And then as they start to really do this soul work, this deep work and step back into their power, what they realize is that they were a sacred heart warrior or soul shaman all along, Mm -hmm. but that didn't fit into the world that they were residing in because of the story they had attached themselves to or hid behind. Right. 
That's very, that's very true. I come across a lot of um, professionals in the medical field, in um, IT. I work in IT in my day job, um, mm-hmm. in real estate, in, you know, all these professional jobs. And they do this mysticism and secret. Exactly. Yeah. Like somehow it's, it's they're going to be outed and then they're going to lose their <laughs> livelihood. Some, like somehow if they're outed, uh, people are not going to want to hang out with them or promote them mm-hmm. or anything else. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm thinking, well, people wear their religions and their race and their sex right out in the open, but yeah. you're going to hide a really cool aspect of yourself, which is the mysticism um, and the, yeah. and your outlook to life. So how can people, uh, is this something that you address in your YouTube live meditations is to get comfortable with this space and own it? Not so much in the YouTube video, well, some in the YouTube videos, but that actually is a part of really the overall soul warrior training mm. is living into your skin. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and part of that is also recognizing that, you know, for many of us, we've had past lives where we've been persecuted for who we are, what we believe. It still goes on today. And yeah, we just do know, it more sophisticatedly through right. social media shaming or exactly um, yeah, or denying somebody a wedding cake because they're of their sexuality or whatever. Oh, well, yeah. 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 It's like it's, it's, it's very embedded into our culture to label people and then put them into boxes and decide what boxes are more worthy than the others. We have this hierarchy that happens. And that's been true for all of ages, I think. And I think part of us stepping into our power is recognizing that, first of all, healing those core wounds, and then being able to, when you step into that power, there there comes like this moment of truth where you realize, you know what, I get one shot at this life, because none mm-hmm. of us really know for sure if previous lives happen or not or future lives well even if you had like a previous life you only got one shot in that previous life too exactly so So you only have one shot at this life and if you're going to spend it in fear of what other people think you really end up living somebody else's life you live you live not into your skin and so for you know what i like to inspire people is that you are your best advocate you know yourself better than anybody else, and you're the only person who's guaranteed to be with you for the rest of your life. Yep. So you better be really good with you, because if you're not, it's going to be a miserable life. And that's the first thing that we focus on is how do we bring that power back to me? You know, people give out their power just like left and right. Their energy just is flung everywhere, yeah. and there's no containment of it. Mm-hmm. And I think when people can take a step back and start seeing where they are spending their energy and pull back and and realize the value of who they are, then you start spending it in different places and you get more value for your, for your expenditure. And in that you start feeding yourself with this arena where you can be who you are unapologetically. Yeah. Right. And you, you, you mentioned a good thing about feeding your soul. Um, So in, in, in Buddhism, we understand the concept that we are all energy. We are all our merkabas, our yeah. mandalas, um, our energy field. And the avatar that is talking through Vaughn is an avatar for this intended experience. Right. Uh, this, this, and this, the storyline that I'm playing in this experience that I chose mm-hmm. to play. So, so we understand that, um, that we are energy and 
when you take away the solid structure of things and you understand that, then everything that you engage with, that you expose yourself to um, is what you feed your energy. And one of the yes. things that constantly come up um, in Buddhism and um, other Eastern traditions is how people feed their soul junk food. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and, okay. And I'm, I'm going to explain this a little bit further because I want to get your, the, your shaman, Celtic, Native American perspective on this. Um, so, and I get this in my hypnosis clients as well, and in, in my sixth sense clients as well, where they're like trying to get to the next level in their development mm -hmm. or whatever it is that they're working on. And um, we go through, and the source will go through um, and basically tell them, you are energy and everything you feed yourself is junk food. You're constantly feeding yourself the negative um, images on TV. You constantly watch the negative dramas. You constantly mm -hmm. watch the feuding housewives. You constantly watch one rabbit yeah. hole conspiracy to another about how man is going to X themselves. You're constantly playing video games that um, where everybody's at after you and you're chasing away from zombies. I mean, on and on <laughs> yeah. the list goes on. And Source continues to say, over and over again um people need to realize that they are energy and they're just feeding themselves junk food and their junk soul food. is getting fat from all this junk food yeah so instead of and junk food's fun don't get yeah. me wrong i like a little good junk food every once in a while <laughs> but most of the time it's just like when we feed ourselves certain foods if we're trying to live a more healthy life and a more healthy balanced approach to our bodies and our health we focus on limiting the junk food right. and you know put in healthy things into body well on the same level in buddhism you have to focus on what kind of energy you put into your your body to experience into mm -hmm. your soul to experience and all these elements that you choose are basically junk food for the soul so right. how can you uh, how can people address a healthy amount of junk food if they want to feed their soul junk food um, <laughs> for entertainment how can they balance that and then also what kinds of things is healthy um, things to feed their soul. Yeah. So in, in what I teach, there's a couple ways to look at this actually. And one is I live by the 80, 20 rule mm. because the truth is we have to have fun. We have to enjoy life and, you know, not just eat lettuce every single day. Cause we want to lose 10 pounds, but <laughs> to have a, a healthy salad and drink lots of water. And then, you know, every now and then have a glass of wine or a bowl of ice cream. Balance. I love, I, I love ice cream. I love ice cream. Soft serve is, is wonderful on the beach when you're looking <laughs> at whales and eagles. Exactly. So first of all, it's living the 80-20 rule. And that goes for everything. Like, you know, after we get off here tonight, I probably am going to go out and watch Sabrina because I've been watching it with my family and it's fun. It's whatever. It's entertainment. And then, but if I do that every night, then I start imprinting my quantum field. Mm. You know, we talk a lot in the East direction actually about quantum field imprinting and what does that look like? And the shamans have always, you know, the, the, the whole thing about shamans, you dream your world into being. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so whatever you're focused on, I love this analogy. I used to be an avid uh, mountain biker. You never, ever, ever, when you're mountain biking, you don't ever look at the rock you don't want to hit. 
Cause that's what you're going <laughs> to, that's exactly where your tire is going to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's the same thing in life. It's like, if you don't want to recreate that trauma in your life, then stop looking at it. Stop mm-hmm. identifying by it. And, you know, stop feeding that soul. Like you said, the junk food, I like that, that tagline is, you know, if you want to be healthier, then, um, you know, get out and move, stop sitting so much on your couch. If you want Mm -hmm. to hear your spirit guides, then turn off the TV, put down the news, stop filling up the, the field with that drama. Yeah. For whatever reason, humans are addicted to drama. Oh, we love it. It's the human drama, trauma, drama, trauma. We love it. It's like those back in the eighties when we used to watch soap operas. I don't know if they still have those or not. Well, but... I know. <laughs> they, 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 they do still have soap operas, but now there's because we aren't just tied to the, the national networks on TV and we have Netflix and Hulu and yeah, all, a lot more exactly. things now. Um, people have to, people have even more to choose from in entertainment. So if, so it, they don't have to resort to what's on the regular yeah, TV. The regular so, TV. Yeah. So um, yeah, but, that that's very good so people junk food cut out the junk cut food. out the junk especially food. if you have yeah. high blood pressure and anxiety and panic attacks yeah we're talking to yeah. you exactly <laughs> cut out the junk food you don't need that and you know uh, and i and i want to say something too for those who are listening that may feel like they are uh and i i find this with some people who are coming into the the soul warrior training is addiction is real mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. not just drugs and alcohol there's addiction to news there's addiction to tv there's addic- addiction to sex there's addiction to spiritual practices addiction is real and I, and if i were a betting woman i would say that probably 95 percent of society is addicted to something uh-huh uh-huh yeah and so whenever you are dealing with an addiction you're not going to just change it overnight mm-hmm. most of the time yeah and so be easy on yourself and start somewhere. Start with 21 days. Start with just today. Start with just this moment, making the right choice for yourself. In five moments from now, you might make a different choice and that's okay. Be forgiving of yourself. Mm-hmm. But, you know, commit to a life that is congruent with the soul that's residing inside of you. Yeah, yeah. Like I always say, if you remove your soul out of your body, okay mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and now you're feeding it this this soul outside of your body now you're feeding it food based off of the contents you expose it to I mean obviously there can be things that are out of your control but you can control what, what kind of entertainment you constantly feed yourself oh absolutely right? what are you feeding your soul is it because I actually I have clients like this who are on a lot of heart high blood pressure medication, mm-hmm. anxiety, Xanax. I mean, you name it. This yeah. most, most of the medicine cabinet is just basically the high blood pressure that they get from how they see reality. And then what are they doing? They're spending most of the time accosted by the negative news right. and being paranoid that we're going to kill which the whole world is going to implode. Yeah. In one creative way to another. Yeah. And then you look at the medicine cabinet and then yes. it's. it's and the refrigerator and the refrigerator it's very very common so you're feeding yourself junk food all the time and then you're also going in and you're choosing um media that's feeding yourself more junk food and then you wonder why you're stressed and pissed off about life how am i going to be 5d in this world i know junk creates junk period yeah 
you're going to when you create your reality you create you dream your world into being and if you are uh you know it's, it's like the the movie what the bleep do we know when the, mm -hmm. they were looking out at the beach and they couldn't see the ships because they'd never seen them before yeah. and then they finally came into view it's kind of like that too it's like we you have to be able to be open to the possibility that you might not be able to envision the pureness of your soul, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that it's not there. Yeah. Yeah. And the more you remove all this gunk mm -hmm. that you've been feeding it all this time and learn new ways to feed your soul healthier experiences and yes. build from it, it the becomes easier. Yeah. It becomes exactly. second nature. Yeah. Um, don't have to try so hard to be 5D. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's speaking of 5D. So um, there are people who think that who who think that Earth is not conscious. Oh they don't think goodness. she's alive. They don't think she's alive and they have no regrets <sighs> for treating her the way they treat her, et cetera, et cetera. So but we know that Princeton University and HeartMath Institute mm -hmm. has proven many indigenous cultures uh, beliefs and buddhism believes Absolutely. earth is alive that she is alive through her schumann resonance which is her yeah. heart song so for those of us who acknowledge earth's heart song how can we be good caretakers of the earth when there's other people who don't think she's alive at all and don't even care oh my gosh it just breaks my heart it really does that this day and age that there would even be anybody remotely who would think that the earth oh. is not a living breathing organism oh. Oh, well, just, she's, if, if she's living and breathing, they want to, uh, you know, rape her. <laughs> yeah, they want to take whatever they can for their resources so they can yeah. get their, um, their profits while they're living and not care about what happens afterwards. But the Buddhists will tell you, you might come back to you what might, you left. Exactly. <laughs> Karma. <laughs> yeah. So what do you say? How, how can we be good fifth dimensional caretakers of Mother Gaia? You know, first, it, tying it back to kind of the beginning of our conversation is living in those lower three chakras just as much as you live in the upper three and, and bringing that heart into it and being present with getting outside. Not enough people get mm -hmm. outside and actually touch the earth barefoot or put their body into the sunshine or touch a tree or, uh, you know, just I, I work, I not work. I, I have hiked with a lot of people and I always find this people hate hiking with me because I mm -hmm. hike slow. I am like a turtle because I'm looking at everything. I'm like, Oh my gosh, look at that centipede right there. And I'll watch it for five minutes before I go on. Yep. Like a mile hike takes me all day. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. But most people, they just want to like, oh, we're going to get in 10,000 steps in the first 20 minutes. Let's go. Boom, 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 boom. And they're yakking the whole time, talking about their drama in their life. And mm -hmm. for me, it's like, just shut up. Mm -hmm. Shut up and get outside. Sit down and look at everything around you and just be amazed. If you're not amazed, you're not paying attention. Point. Mm -hmm. That's simple. Yeah. And I have, I have this new addiction. I will confess this addiction. I began um, exploring Google Earth because I'm an avid traveler. Oh, yeah. Google Earth. Yeah. And since COVID's happened, mm -hmm. I haven't been able to travel. So I decided, you know, I download. This is what I do. This is my addiction at nighttime. I sit and I lay in bed. And I just I'm all over the world. I have Google Earth up on one monitor while I'm working all day long. And if I get bored, I just go over and start cruising around. Uh huh. But when you do that, you start seeing Earth from a different perspective and you start seeing 
the heart with the veins and the mm -hmm. rivers and it you know mimics the human anatomy quite mm -hmm. intricately yeah and it's just amazing and if you can't see the beauty and the beingness in that then i don't know there's let me ask you this about that mm. are human beings a cell living on earth are we part of her i think we're are part we... of her yeah you know yeah. and really when you kind of like the atoms on your face they're part right. of you yeah. yeah, or like, or like the 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 dead skin flaking off, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You really get that perspective actually from Google Earth because yeah. you when you when you scan up from afar, you can't see civilization and humans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we're really just an intrusions. We're parasites on on Earth sometimes. Yeah. And I, you know, I think if if we can befriend that and really. Um, love mother earth for who she is and see her for who she is and create that intimate relationship with her by walking mindfully and mm -hmm. and being present and being reverent and grateful she supplies us with everything we possibly need yeah she is the greatest mother that there is and so patient yeah you guys yeah. don't be a cancer cell <laughs> to the planet <laughs> you know what happens to can yeah you know what happens <laughs> to cancer cells on people's body they kill that's the right. host that's right don't yeah. be a cancer cell um what is your last message for people who want to build a fifth dimensional society stop looking outside of yourself and really go inward into that heart space and reconnect to that higher divinity that's within you that already knows all of this and stop making excuses stop stop playing small and i think mm -hmm. when you when you yeah. uh you see that your life has not been against you but it's actually been for you mm -hmm. and and recognizing those moments that have transformed you into the person that you are today which is beautiful and and whole mm -hmm. and and get outside and connect to something bigger than yourself yeah beautiful message well dakota thank you for another fun conversation and introducing these modalities so that people can learn more about how to get clear Absolutely. on their purpose connect to the consciousness of mother gaia and to connect to the consciousness of the universe and the spirit beings from within themselves so for more information about dakota walker's offerings go ahead and visit her her website dakota earth cloud.com and thank you kindly to our listeners for listening to another enlightening conversations until next time blessings blessings thank you guys aho we hope you enjoyed this episode of merkaba chakras where we talk buddhism in the fifth dimension for more information about today's guest, please go to the show description. For more information about Vaughn's metaphysical work, please go to MerkabaChakras.com. The views expressed today are for entertainment purposes and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Don't forget to subscribe for more interviews about the fifth dimension. Until we meet again, blessings.